and welcome to the Event Lab podcast, your window into the events conversation, brought to you by Hirespace. We're kicking off a new content focus here at Event Lab on current affairs, regulation and compliance. So we've got a special episode bringing you a panel discussion from Event Lab titled Sustainability, Do Clients and Customers Really Care? Moderating the panel is Nicola McDonald, the editor of Exhibition News, and she is joined by Rick Stainton, Chief Executive at Smile, Michelle Lanaway, Manager at Bridge 5 Mill, and Stephen Wade, Conference Producer at IR Magazine. First of all, I'd like to ask you guys to quickly kind of introduce yourselves, say who you are, a bit about your background, and also why you're on this panel today. Um, Steve, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, so my name's Stephen. Uh, I'm, I'm a conference producer uh, for a publishing company. So my role in events is um, kind of creating communities, um, creating new events. We won't do an event for one particular client or anything like that. Uh, my job is to go out, research um, different niches, different markets, emerging trends and industries, um, and then bring those communities together to try and advance that a little bit. So um, I kind of, I, I, I cut my teeth in the industry as a rigger and an event manager, so I, I've, I've done a lot of the operational stuff in the background, but now uh, I'm more focused in terms of the kind of strategic aspect of, of events. Hi, my name's Michelle. I manage a building in Manchester called Bridge 5 Mill. Um, it's an old cotton mill that was refurbished sustainably, so using sustainable materials and sustainable building practices. Uh, we also manage it day to day in line with our sustainability policy, which I think we'll probably talk about more, but covers eight, eight different areas. Um, and sustainability is at the core of everything we do. So some of our more controversial policies are that we're a vegetarian and vegan building. Um, and we don't have a car park, uh, which causes you know a few eyebrows to be raised. But we also are very connected in with like local, local suppliers, sustainable suppliers. Our food is local, fresh, um, and yeah. So I guess that's that's why I'm the panel. We're, we're a smallish venue. Um, our biggest room holds 100 theatre style, 80 cabaret. Um, but I kind of see it as probably a microcosm of the smaller end of the venue and, and meeting industry. Okay. Hi, uh, I'm Rick, uh, CEO of Smile. Uh, we're a creative agency, one of the fastest growing probably in the last few years, turnover about 30 million, but just over 100 staff. Uh, so sort of key clients are like Facebook, Salesforce, Samsung, Red Bull, did the Ryder Cup opening ceremony a few weeks ago. Um, but I guess I'm here because I co-founded and funded the Sustainable Event Summit, an initiative formed about four years ago for exactly this topic. Great. Um, I'd be interested to talk first of all just about how, does, how do events stand up as an industry compared to other industries? Like, are we ahead in some aspects, like trailing in others? Steve? In my specific kind of niche sector in terms of, of conferences, um, I do think we've got a, a lot further to go. Um, and I think that that comes from um, a bit of education on our side, um, potentially regulation as well, um, to kind of set the bar higher um, so that you can do that. And I know that there was chat before that a lot of people, when I kind of spoke about this a couple of years ago, uh, people seem really against regulation. Um, and I think it's not about whether you need regulation or not. It's about getting the right sort of regulation um, that kind of works. And we can have a bit more of a chat about that. Um, but, but yeah, I think, I think that we've got a lot more to do. Um, but there has been progress from the short time that I've been sort of working in events. 
I think I, I can only speak from a point of view of the customers that we um, have come into our building. And I think they fall into three categories. One is those that are already working sustainably, already have sustainability on their mind, and they choose us because they know what we are, they know what we stand for. And then we've got the customers in the middle that are thinking about sustainability and have probably Googled sustainable venue and are interested in what we're doing and we can talk to them, we can maybe take them on a sustainable journey. And more and more now, those are um, statutory bodies. So you talk about the Olympics, that had they have to spend their money responsibly. So a lot of our rising customers at the moment has been local councils, um, statutory bodies, bigger charities, people like that. So we can take them on the journey. And then I have people that Google us and find us. And as soon as they find that we're sustainable, they don't really care. They just like what our, our building looks like. And when I try and tell them all, if you come here, then we've got a vegetarian menu and we've got this and we do that. And they, and they don't really care. But I do think that middle customer is expanding which is good and positive. So that's people who have no interest transforming into people who are vaguely no, interested. that are getting there. Mm. People that have no interest, I kind of had to stop hitting my head against a brick wall with because we're a very small organisation and we have to spend our time doing things where we're going to get benefits. And it was soul-destroying as well. The middle lot of people is definitely growing. So the statutory bodies, the companies that are starting to work on their CSR policies and put them into action, who come to us because we can tick the CSR box or have to spend their money responsibly. That, that's expanding and that's a really good thing. That's definitely in the last year we've got more of those customers come in. Uh, yeah, um, speaking of these bodies and I, I presume like kind of the bigger brands as well, are you seeing that companies are more interested in sustainability perhaps from a perception perspective? Right. <laughs> so I'm going to slag off all my clients now, am I? Um, <laughs> definitely not. Um, I can't speak for my individual client's own CSR policy or however you want to phrase it now, sustainability. Um, I think essentially uh, you can't generalize, and I think there's a lot of generalization on sustainability. I think there's a lot of generalization in the events industry about what is or isn't happening, what should or shouldn't take place. Um, as I say, I set up the Sustainable Event Summit um, a number of years ago to exactly facilitate conversations between customers who are on stage, purely on stage, and everyone else, the agencies, the suppliers, the freelancers, and so on, anyone else who's interested in learning from what clients felt could happen, should happen, their issues with it, and so on. Um, and you know, over the years, and, and still now, um, most clients uh, don't have sustainability at the forefront of their event formats, their event briefs. They're, the reason they're doing events is part of their bigger marketing mix or the bigger internal comms mix, which is to activate behavioral change for the benefit of their business and ultimately their bottom line. It's not to make the world a better place. It's not to make the world greener. We have to remember that. We're a very small part of a large organization's uh, orientation as a business on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. So we only deal with a very small part of that. Now, all of my clients, as do most FTSE 200, 100 companies, 250 companies, as do Fortune 500 companies, have very large uh, international CSR and sustainability programs, whether that's from volunteering to sporting charities to internal offices. You've ever been to a client's office, there's pretty much a lot about it from a communication perspective and a recycling perspective and, and so on. So that's, that's great. They're doing their thing. That's not something you can necessarily influence or, 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 or adhere to from an events, a small events industry perspective. What we are not particularly good at, and I think it is our responsibility to educate the clients, ultimately they are our clients, they come to us for ideas, we're the creative industry for God's sake. We should be not relying on clients to come to us, they have a responsibility perhaps to do so, but we as a creative industry be promoting solutions, no-brainers, ideas, little small steps that make a momentum change. And going for the big, and I don't disagree about a long-term plan, but you have to do small changes to create a longer-term momentum. And I always cite the 
the fact that they're all individuals who own budgets in events, they're all individuals that go home and wouldn't dream about not recycling their milk bottles, wouldn't dream about perhaps these days now using a plastic straw versus a paper one, or not throwing their paper away, or whatever it might be. But I always think about the example of simple behavioural change of the plastic bags at supermarkets. I don't have the figures attached to me, but simply, as I understand it, use of plastic bags in the UK, and I'm being very careful to caveat this, I don't have the exact figures, it's gone down something like 70-80% since that 5p charge. Now, all that changes is that someone asked for 5p for a bag, and the vast majority of this world, in the UK anyway, can still afford 5p on top of their 50, 100 pound shop, whatever it might be. So it wasn't the cost of it. It was the fact that they thought about it for a second and just went, I'm not going to bring 5p extra this time. I'm going to take a bag that I used last time. They made a decision just because there was a trigger of a very simple step change in mentality. Now, that's all it takes. And the reduction is huge because everyone else, I said at the beginning, individuals decided to do the same thing at the same time. Impact, massive. So what I would encourage agencies or venues and suppliers to do is create those little simple step changes that aren't going to cost the client loads more money, that aren't going to create a huge amount of ripples and waves of bureaucracy for them to get approval for it. If you're not talking to them yet about sustainability, give them a solution that will be a bit of a no-brainer to say that they get, and then they see the results, they can go to their manager, their FD, or their marketing director and go, we, we instigated this, aren't I amazing? And then they'll go, yeah, great, well, fits in with our policy as well, doesn't it? And the, jo the dots start to join up. That's, that is still not happening. I totally agree with you and, on, and, and, and we, it took me a while to realise this because I came into my job from a campaigning point of view and for the first two years I was like, why, why are you still doing that? Why are you doing that? Why do you not understand? And then I realised that we need to make being sustainable within our building more convenient and more fun and make more sense. So we, we're working on, we've got certain suppliers that we work with but we're working now on a how to make your event more sustainable document that we just give to everybody and give people suppliers or do stuff for them so say we'll get that for you, we'll help you be more sustainable, if we, if we can take it off your plate it's not going to give you more grief so I totally agree, you have to help people do it and not expect that they're just going to do it because it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the simple, it's the point of least resistance you know um, if you give them an easier option and it's there in front of them they'll take it yeah. And then if the byproduct of that happens to be also saving money, saving time, not wasting resources, then they, they have no resistance to doing it. The behavioural change shift is the hardest thing. Once you get over that, they start getting used to it and go, this is, this is easier than I thought. But as I was, we, we had a guy from the creative director, I think it was, of Innocent Drinks about three, four years ago at the summit. And the simple question they asked him was, was what's the hardest thing about sustainability? And he, he answered it with, with a very simple answer, was to start. Because once you're on that start, once you start it mentally, mentally with yourself, your organisation, in your office, and then externally to your clients, wherever they may be, it just becomes an ongoing buzz. It's, it's, it's like a, a legal high, for example, that you keep finding these little wins and these solutions, and you get a rush out of it because you can't believe you didn't do it in the first place. I mean, madness, everyone taking plastic bags to the shop every time when they've stuffed in the cupboard at home, and we all have. You know, it's that recognition of the madness of doing the wrong thing again and again and again, um, and then suddenly getting a solution that makes it easier to do something effectively the same but without wasting a resource or time or money. That's a policy change though wasn't it? That was a, that was a legal governmental policy change. So how, how it was. and as someone who's been fighting and campaigning for years, how, how, how easy just, do you think it is for that How embarrassing is it? It had to be a policy change. That's what I'm trying to get yeah. across. We all know that it's wrong to use yeah. bags. We all know yeah. that 5p is not going to mostly break the bank every time we do a £100, £50 shop. But I think it's really, I think we, as a creative industry we could perhaps move the immovable a little bit um, easier by coming up with creative solutions rather than having to make it hard and fast legal requirement because we are one of the most exciting industries in this world. We are world leaders in creativity, certainly from my experience from the UK and the showcase work. We shouldn't have to have a legality to encourage 
change? We shouldn't, but I think we do need to hit it on three levels. I think, I think we need the policy change, and I think as an industry totally, we need to come together and try and make our practices much more sustainable. And then there's the individual behavioural change that, that is possibly the biggest thing to... I don't necessarily agree we need policy change. Sorry, I think, I think it's quite taboo now to be in a supermarket and ask, generally ask for a, for a plastic bag. I, if, I, if I forget one and I ask for it, I feel a little bit... I'm letting the world down a bit, you know, maybe that's just me, but I think it's quite a taboo thing. I think it'd be better to have an industry that moves slightly as one, then there's no need for legality. If, 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 if they need to have a carrot and a stick on some elements, then fair enough, fair enough. And maybe more regulated elements of food and hygiene and sourcing, then maybe that is definitely a, a more of a, a requirement. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, um, and kind of bringing it back to events kind of away, away from shopping and that sort of stuff is kind of a practical bit of advice, I'd say, in terms of finding that, 5p barrier carrier bag sort of charge at your events um it's just talking to people um and and kind of knowing your customer knowing what their values are um in terms of my job my job is literally just to speak to the industry just to listen to them to understand um what's concerning them in their jobs and you know what policies they're concerned about with their industry and that kind of thing um but it, there's no harm in just saying okay and what can we do about making our events more sustainable um why aren't you recycling your badges? Um, you know, whatever, and as you say, you know, those small steps that you're making in the right direction in terms of, on the long term, making your events more sustainable, what is it that we can do and how can we influence that? Um, you know, one of the big kind of issues, if you go through and you do a waste audit, um, is just streaming your different sorts of, uh, of wastes. And um, I mean, particularly in exhibitions and, and conferences, you've got different suppliers coming in um, and you just get this big pile of waste. Well, where, where's the food waste going? Where's that going? And yeah, look for that 5p charge. Okay, how can I incentivize people to make sure that they're um, putting their waste in the right place? Can I surprise them? Is there... Um, some sort of benefit that they can get um, if it's a sponsor, um, you know, can, can we provide them something extra that they're looking for to make sure that any waste products that they provide, that they separate it and give it to us. Um, and I think ultimately it just comes down to initially kind of recognize the scope um, and just engage with people and say, right, what's really important? Um, in, in sustainability, they call it materiality which basically means um, what's most critical to the success of your business, but also to your stakeholders. So, I mean, the, the, the topic of this panel was a little, uh, was about do customers care? Um, and when we kind of had a chat, I was saying, I think it's bigger than that, because to get customers, you need so many different stakeholders involved. You need suppliers, venues, you need sponsors, you need those kind of things. And I think once you start that dialogue around, but we're not asking the questions, and I think it's on us as event organizers, um, to kind of start those questions, and it's great that we got the people like Michelle kind of going. Yeah, it, it starts. At, you're right. It starts at the briefing stage, though. If you're asking a client from an agency perspective, what's the objectives of this event? It'll talk to you about audience engagement, getting the strategy across, selling more of the product, better understanding. Mm. If you, at that point, ask them the question, "Have you thought about how you can reduce some waste, reuse any of the materials and assets that you're using, um, and recycle anything?" You go, "Oh, that's a good idea." At that briefing stage, you've got an early enough point to get engaged with the budget holders, to get engaged with the sponsors, the venue, the caterers, the suppliers, and get them all to come up with maybe just one little solution each, where they either reduce something that wouldn't have been reduced, reuse something that wouldn't have been reused, or recycle something. Give them a little challenge. And you, can, you, you sort of hinted at it. You don't have to have a 5p charge to make behavioral change. It can be done in a competitive way. Gamification now is huge across many different aspects of live activations. And everyone, like, everyone has a competitive streak in them. It's human behavior. So, you know, 
if you look at when you go to festivals and there's these guys at the end of festivals getting all those, those uh, skiffs that you can trade back in for a pound or 50p, my God, the amount of kids wandering around with hundreds of pounds in wheelbarrows, almost competing for each other how much money they're going to get back because everyone's just chucked it away. You know, that's a classic example of some people getting it and some people not because they, some of them have funded their own festivals for next year by, 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 by uh, reusing or, or should we say cashing in on the, on the hard skiffs that uh, come back from the plastic cups. So it's a case of just giving at the briefing stage a few little challenges entwined in the brief rather than conflicting with the brief. Otherwise it becomes an afterthought. The clients had enough of, of budgets being used on other areas. The suppliers haven't bought into it nor the venues and it creates a conflict of the process rather than it being part of the natural thread of the process. Because any brief for any event should have a little tag that this event should minimize its impact negatively and maximize it positively. And when a client will not disagree with that, but they don't want it to be an extra work for them, and it shouldn't be. It should be our responsibility to educate and support them little ideas, whether it's through competition, gamification, the way we source venues or caterers, thinking about the exhibition stands and whether they might be repurposed or reused in some way, shape or form, because the amount of waste in this industry is still unbelievable. There's not enough policy going through generally as agreed way of doing things. So. Embed it in then, and little ingredients part of the brief. Clients will not be adverse to that, but you need to have the confidence to, to do it without upsetting them or the momentum or the time constraints, budget constraints, and so on. And it should be able to save the money and time if you get it right. And that's the that's that holy grail of getting something that does minimise the impacts, but it also saves money or time. And they are no-brainers. One thing I found interesting coming at it from an exhibition point of view is you've got so many suppliers at the venue who are each doing their own thing and each maybe trying their best to be sustainable, but there are connections that could be made that could be so beneficial. And I was speaking to someone who was saying Olympia London uh, in West London, they were paying to get rid of plastic, to have it you know, ethically recycled. And this other supplier was buying the same kind of plastic to use for his products. And suddenly they realized he could just take away the plastic for free from Olympia, use it for his products, and it kind of completed a cycle of sustainability. I think, do you think maybe like more communication between these suppliers is needed? Well, a classic example is um, the amount of carpet that is chucked away after events, and almost every removal company, hire truck company for furniture or anything like that, lines their uh, trucks and so on with some sort of similar material to, to carpet often. And a lot of removal firms are now asking for chuck away carpets to be able to line their own trucks. I mean, I know that's a very crass example, but it just shows the fact that you can repurpose and reuse without having to, it saved one company from having to pay to get stuff picked up and thrown away and put into landfill or whatever, and it saves another company having to source it, buy it, and so on. And there's so many examples of that, if you, you rightfully say join up, and, and I'll keep boringly talking about the Sustainable Event Summit, that's exactly the orientation of it, was to try and create this network of conversation and match up the best ideas with the best solutions and, and then for create something viable. At our venue, so a lot of the events overall on the food, we try not to get people to overall on the food, but sometimes people don't turn up. So we've got like connections with local homelessness charities and um, a women's refuge and things like that. And we've been, we've been, uh, we had, we've got loads of astroturf on our flat roof now because there was a big launch of a big housing development. Um, and they said, we've got this astroturf, who wants it? And we, we said, we'll have it, because we're a not-for-profit. Um, so they gave it to us. So there are, it's hard, because we, we are very connected in Manchester, and there's a little Manchester green scene, and we do that amongst ourselves in Manchester and the charities. And it'd be interesting to see how that could work on a bigger scale, because there are so many, you know, who could Nobody connect it. Yeah, so Show Slice have an interesting disruptive model, whereby they're encouraging people to link up when I mean, a lot of events are very similar. There's a lot of, you know, in the Park Lane strip of Dorchester, Grosvenor House, Hilton, there are 800 to 1,000 people at award ceremonies that are pretty much in the same room, pretty much the same look and feel, with a different branding, of course. Um, 
and there's a new company coming in day in, day out, loading, unloading with different crews and different transport, creating much similar sets because the room is what the room is. I think Show Slicer's model, and I don't you know, speak to Damien who runs it, but he's basically got a portal to match up when you need a venue and you've got a certain type of remit for a certain format that there may be an event in the day before, the day after, the day you want, and you can therefore maybe reuse the set and reskin it, rebrand it. It'll save money. The venue gets the booking. The client benefits from not having to pay for so much, and it minimizes the impact on accessibility, transport, and so on. It's a, it's a, there's no bad vibe to it. Um, but how many people know about it? No one. Uh, thank you. Well, I thought you might, Kevin. But you know, it's a brilliant disruptive model. It takes time to get going. It's, I think there's an app. I think there's a, there's a website. But it's just one example. I mean, you know, um, we, we looked at it at Smile about six months ago when he came and presented to us. It ticks all the boxes, saves time, saves money, it's efficiency, reusing sets that are already there, everyone wins. There's no bad vibe to it, but no one knows about it, you know, and that, that's the problem. I wanted to come back to the res responsibility for sustainability. Like, if someone's coming to your venue, is, does that, is that kind of a shortcut for them as an organizer to say, the venue's responsible for this event being sustainable, and I don't have to think about it so much? Can be, I think, yeah. I mean, we've got uh, loads of recycling bins. This is just a really simple example. We've got loads of recycling bins, and next to them is the refuge bin. We've got a compost bin. I pull my hair out about how many times we're going through the refuge bin, taking all the, the plastics out and the banana skins. And so, yeah, you know, you can lead people to water, but you can't make them drink. We, had a, um, we do dry hire as well for charities that um, can't afford all the catering and things. They turned up with all their milk in those little plastic cartons. I was just like so shocked that they're, they're working in an area of like society that, and they were a charity and yet they're making these really bad choices. But we need, to, we need to next time say, don't bring those again. Do you know what I mean? It's, so, and it's, our, it's our responsibility to help people to be a bit more sustainable. So it's my responsibility as a manager to just say next time, Try not to do that. Why don't you do this? Or provide an alternative. You know, we don't. We never buy single-use plastics. We never have. Um, but you, people can borrow our cutlery and our glasses and things. Um, so that's their alternative. That's easy for them, and we'll wash it up for them. Steve, where do you think responsibility lies? <laughs> I feel a bit cheap if I say it's, it's everyone's responsibility. I think it comes back again to: um, is it good for business? Because if it's good for your business, then it's your responsibility. And I think that. Um, Again, like we were kind of talking about how much has this changed and how much has it moved on. Well, what happens when you know, all the doomsayers are correct and you know, Brexit has an impact on you know, the economy and, and that kind of thing? Is sustainability the first thing to go? Well, for, from your business, if you've really, really focused on what actually adds value to your business, um, then it, it, it's a no-brainer. It's definitely your responsibility. I think that there are certain aspects where a venue can provide the kind of technical requirements and, 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 and can assist. And it's, again, it goes back to that thing about kind of talking to people and just starting that uh, conversation like you do with your clients during the brief. Um, I mean, again, we don't have clients. We kind of set the agenda. We sell the tickets, but we still got budgets to, to kind of think about and that sort of thing. But, but work with your um, suppliers. If you use um, different suppliers, um, kind of make sure that you're really prescriptive in terms of what you want. You'll sit down and go through your event orders and that kind of thing. You know, really be clear. And I guess a, a practical way of doing that is just making sure that once you know those issues that are, that are kind of key for you, whether it's food waste, whether it's um, you know use of plastics, uh, carbon footprint, whatever, make sure you you incorporate that into your checklists. Your checklists that you're going through in terms of numbers of people, in terms of um, you know AV requirements, everything else. 
stick your sustainability requirements. What you know, I want to have glass bottles um, throughout. I don't, I don't want to see a single bit of plastic. It's uh, yeah, pretty, pretty simple, but definitely take the responsibility on because it's good for business. Try to add anything? Um, not really. I don't like the expression tick box exercise. I think that's very old school and frankly a bit derogatory to the hard work going on uh, around venues, particularly probably lead this in the events industry, if I'm honest with you. They seem to have the investment and the understanding that they can make a big difference by enhancing their offering through more sustainable choices. And I think the rest of the industry is lagging behind. Um, I think everyone individually has a responsibility in what you believe in. If you're not really into it, believing it, you're not, probably not going to care about it when you're at work. So let's be open and honest about this. You know, if you've got a client who is a marketing director of a large brand and they're really quite into it, they'll probably be asking the questions beyond immaterial of their own brand's values and so on. So it is an individual choice and, and rightfully so, but essentially, again, giving people easier routes to, to, to uh, changing their behavior. Um, and also it's got to come from the ground up. You know, there's a lot of sort of the budget holder this and the, the key person who's looking after the event that, but certainly in our organization, we, we've got a, a thing called Planet Smile. Um, and one of the committee members did a bit of, on their own back, did a calculation that we do 450 events a year, approximately, maybe 500, with approximately, you know, 20, 30 crew on site of each one. There's about 100 bottles of water consumed on each event throughout the two, three-day process, which is about 50,000 bottles, plastic bottles a year. And so they invested in these recycled, manufactured proper, you know, water bottles with, for full-time members of staff, um, which we reckon overnight will, with the majority of the full-time staff, uh, and it was their idea, and they did the maths, and they presented it to me as a solution. It would cost us X amount to get 100 proper bottles in, would probably reduce, um, oh, the cost of the bottles is about £6,000 a year as well to us as a business. Um, and they did the little calculation themselves as a junior member of staff and said it'll cost that amount of money, which was about, I don't know, 750 quid or something, maybe £1,000 they were customised, to get 100 bottles, so about 10 or each. And I reckon it will reduce plastic use on site by about, say, 50%. That's 25,000 bottles a year by literally doing, saying the word yes. It's going to save us five grand a year, and it stops our, our, our waste of 25,000 plastic bottles. And that came from a very junior person who was just given the remit just to think a little bit about reuse, recycle, um, uh, um, and reduce. And he re reduced cost, reduced plastic use. We've got recyclable, reusable elements. Um, it's just an example of the individual organization needs to give people the ability to think creatively and analyze things. It, get, it shouldn't come from the top. Either it should come from anyone who's got a brain who just wants to come up with a nice solution to a problem. And that's quite a turn on for anyone. That's what I've got to say, really. Yeah, that, and that's made, had a financial, a beneficial financial impact. It was as well. a byproduct. It wasn't the purpose of it. They, they did it from a fact of waste. But if you waste less, you save more money. No one's going to argue with that as a business proposition. Yeah, I was in a panel here earlier. I mean, I was listening to a panel here earlier today about technology and talking about apps and app uptake at events and that kind of thing. And one of the panelists said people are always going to prefer the brochures. And um, the person I was sitting next to just leaned over and said, we got rid of our brochures and had 94% uptake on the app. And that was just, you know, if you're having these... At an event, you're At an event, at a conference. We yeah. haven't produced an event brochure in five years. Yeah. No client's ever asked for one. I suppose it's, it's more like an, an agenda kind of thing. But I, I think at exhibitions, it's much more of an issue. Producing, like, vast amounts of paper and, you know, giveaways on stands and that kind of thing. Well, technology is one of the biggest opportunities to provide sustainable solutions because they make things uh, less costly. They are, you can submit data and content digitally rather than having to, to print it. Even if you are printing stuff, there are now ways using vegetable inks or recyclable vinyls, or not recyclable vinyls, but you know, main boards uh, that you can then just put a vinyl over the top and peel off and reuse it rather than having to print the whole element. Digital solutions and technology is, is, is a massive part of the event industry and, um, and not so much deemed to be a gimmick anymore. And there's huge ways of, of, of instigating 
little changes of technology. I mean, brochure to app is, frankly, a, if you're still not doing that, then you're a little bit behind the times, I would suggest. Um, and once you've developed an app, you can reuse it again and again. It becomes a money saver. Um, another big tick if you're going to do ticking in the boxes. Um, so yeah, if you're not embracing technology, but again, I keep back to that. It's our responsibility to educate people. It's not for clients to, to think. We've got to be telling, we're the creative agency, we're the creative industry. We should be presenting them with the no-brainers and therefore momentum change will thing. Some creative agencies are, are more inclined to do it than others at the moment. Yeah, uh, Steve, if you're running like, you know, one or 200 person events, it might not be, you know, financially better to have something like digital signage instead of paper signage. I don't know. Like, what are these kind of decisions that you're making? So we kind of have a subscription with, with our app and we run it across all of our different events. So I think that the cost is spread out um, across the, uh, the case of a year. Um, I think the, the hardest thing was getting people to sign up initially um, and, again, changing that behavior. But actually, um, we're really close with our, our community. We kind of, because we do lots of events, we don't just do one big event and fly people in all over the, from all over the world. We, we almost do a roadshow kind of style with our conferences where we're in Mumbai one week, we're in um, uh, California the next week, for example. Um, uh, we're always touching and we, we're getting the same people coming back to our events. So once you've got it the once and, and they realize that there's actually added value, and this is the thing again, is that doing the right choice is adding value. Yes, you're not printing, we have a few backup ones just in case, um, but actually once people start getting used to it, they can um, arrange meetings with different people, suppliers that are there. Um, they can yeah, uh, enter competitions. There's, there's that kind of reward aspect, that, that kind of 5P um, aspect to it as well. Gamification, yeah. Apps are so much more engaging than traditional content yeah. across so many different levels. Um, and you can make it more engaging. You can have interactive two-way conversations, a Q&A element you can use apps for AR around exhibitions and have pop-up, you know, little, little geo-posts where you can actually have more, in, more, more information coming out. There's so many, you know, we're not, not here to talk about apps, but there's one example of many where technology can enhance an experience, not be more costly in, in, in the short to sort of medium to long term if there's an investment plan there. Um, and, and tick, if you want to say tick the box, uh, the waste element as well. I wanted to just ask you about the ISO 2012 one, if that's all right. Um, I think you're one of the first event agencies to get that. Yeah. And what what are the benefits of having it? Is it worth doing for event managers? Okay. Um, yeah, we were one of the fun, first agencies to do it. It was a BS8901, a British standard. And what many people don't know, it's the only international standard that is exclusive to an industry. Um, it's designed specifically on the back, or the BS, BS British standard was on the back of the Olympics, and that's what most suppliers on the park had to align to, to be a supplier. Then it became an international standard, which is great. Uh, the vast majority of clients have never heard of it still and, and may or may not care, though increasingly procurement through RFIs and RFPs are asking about your, your quality standards, but it's just as viable to have a, a 14,001 uh, ISO standard, which is a lot more generally recognized. We went through, as with most agencies that tried to do it three or four years ago, Helen back, because it's incredibly bureaucratic and designed, frankly, by uh, people that weren't that au fait with how uh, the events industry ran and perhaps were trying to customize a more academic approach to it that wasn't enabling the customization of what you want to apply to it. What I mean by that is it's very formulaic. It's huge amounts of reporting and data and spreadsheets, which in principle is a very important thing because if you can't measure it, you can't manage it, you can't change it. But ultimately, and I think we're not alone, but I'm speaking from Smile's perspective, we got more focus on filling in spreadsheets and reporting and, and, and going through that measurement indicator protocol than actually doing anything. And it took a huge amount of energy, momentum, and dynamism out of the whole process, which again, for a creative industry, should be fun, engaging, solution-orientated, not necessarily process-orientated. So, 
we actually, uh, we, I think we were certified year 18 months ago, which lasts a year or so. We are not going to reissue our certification um, and haven't done, I don't think, for a year or so, simply because we are adopting all the principles that we wanted to take from ISO as, 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 a, as a foundation stone, but we're stripping away what we feel is non-essential processes, which does allow us to spend the quality time and the finite amount of time and resource we have from our Planet Smile team to actually get on with doing the stuff, rather than having to make sure we recorded and, and adopted a, a very, very stringent and um, audited uh, reporting and, and management indicator process, which frankly took a lot of life and, and, and um, energy out of the actual getting on with it. Um, I don't disagree with the principles of it, I don't disagree with a lot of the measurement indicators, they're very important, but we're a creative industry, I keep saying that. Process is a basic foundation stone, it shouldn't dominate. So we are now doing more work and doing more solutions and more action than we've ever done on the background of ISO as a, as, a, as a formula. But going forward then, my advice would be look at it. If you want to give it a go, it'll suck a lot of time, effort and money out of, out of your business, especially if you're a small business. I think venues are probably very uh, able to adopt it because a lot of what's in principle in place are the measurement and the supplier support and so on, they probably already do, whereas maybe more creative agencies don't. I'm being generalistic here, I'm sorry. Um, but definitely don't ignore it. But if my advice would, would be go for it if you want to and you feel you've got the infrastructure in place, large organisations, if you're a small organisation, adopt the principles to start with and see how you get on. Michelle, do you want to add anything from a venue perspective? Right. We aren't certified by anyone and I funnily enough have just started looking at it and there are other kind of certifications that you can get apart from that one but the more I looked at it we when our organization was set up 15 years ago it had a very strong policy and it did have ways of measuring things and it does always look at itself um, and I just don't think it's worth it for us because you look at all the categories like well we do that anyway we do that we do that you're going to try and charge me x thousand pounds right. to have that stamp where I, we, we do that anyway. It, the only place, because I've been looking at this really recently, and the only way it might help us is that some statutory bodies, to, be, to get on their procurement list, you have to have certain accreditations. But then again, we're doing all right without it, and it's really a lot of money that we can't afford to spend. It is a lot of money, and also there's, there's very few consultants out there that really know how to, and we went through a few, now to have, uh, how to know how to advise a, a creative agency or any event agency and how to adopt it. It should come with it from within. Uh, the audit process costs another two or three thousand pounds, which frankly, um, if, you, if you know you're doing a good job and you're measuring it yourself, you don't need someone else to tell you that externally and spend another two thousand pounds to do that, in my, my, my belief. Um, it, yeah, it, it, it's not necessary to do good stuff. Sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, we don't even go near it. Um, budget, uh, resources, you know, we're not the biggest company in the world. We've got a team of, well, our events team is about eight people, um, and we put on about 25 events a year to kind of put that in perspective. So, um, yeah, but uh, I would kind of merit the importance of reporting one way or another. Um, so again, the reason we put on so many events is because we looked, um, and you've got different kind of um, carbon calculators and this kind of stuff, um, and the amount of people that were traveling to our events and the kind of carbon cost there, that's kind of one of the bigger impacts that an event can have um, in terms of, of climate change. It's actually people just flying in. Um, actually, a previous company, when I was doing sustainability events, I had a customer come up to me, and I sent out some marketing emails and that sort of thing, and he came up and he said, right, so... Um, you're flying people all around the world to learn how to be more sustainable. And, you know, that was kind of like the eureka moment where it was like, actually, that's ridiculous. Um, so we do just do, do more kind of events there. And that came from looking at, OK, where are our people traveling in from? And again, that's good for business because we put an event on in the heart of New York. You're going to get a lot more uh, bums on seats, as we put it, a lot more attendance. You're going to get much more engagement. 
the content, which is really the bit I put on, is going to be so much more relevant because they're not going to want to know about European reg uh, regulation um, that we've, we're, we're talking about a big global summit in London. They want to know about what the SEC uh, or you know, the, the, the US regulators are talking about. So it's more relevant. There's a lower carbon footprint. Um, and you get a bit of travel as well. So instead of getting everyone to come to us, we're sending a small team of kind of four. And I think that this, this all goes around to the whole concept of decentralization um, and making sure that you're going local with your suppliers. And where that is practical, um, I think that has a huge impact in terms of, of, of your events. And streaming technology even yeah, supports that even more. Yeah. Virtual delegates these days get almost as good an experience if you're clever with it, yeah. even in an expo area, as I said before, using you know, apps and so on, and you can have two-way conversations, Q&A. Like now, there could be someone streaming this live and submitting hashtag questions that you could facilitate through just as much as if you're sitting here. So technology supports that as well. Okay. Okay, yeah, before we finish, I'd like, to, um, yeah, I'd like to just quickly talk about some practical changes we could make as organizers or you know, venues, event managers. Does anyone have any practical questions about running events, being sustainable at events? I'm going to suggest to Confex that they uh, provide uh, water fountains because under the, the greenhouse effect of Olympia, it gets very warm, although we had the beast from the east this year, but yes. <clears throat> and you, if you want bottled water with a sealed cap, you pay 5 or 10p, and that goes to sustainability charity. So there's an incentive on one side and a, a penalty on the other because we, we should be adopting, adopting this ourselves. You know, Network, South East, Network Rail over in Charing Cross, the mainline station, has now got a water fountain, and there's a counter. I think it's 80,000 or 800,000 litres of water have been saved already, and the water's very nice, by the way. I'll be dropping a line to, to mash about this, and you know about this anyway. Little things we can do to nudge people. Thank you. Uh, yeah, definitely. We run an exhibition, and hopefully we'll be looking into providing tap water options and less single-use plastic at our event. And I actually was up at the uh, NEC recently at UK Construction Week, and they'd installed drinking fountains around the event and eliminated single-use plastic, which was fabulous. But do you guys have any sort of top tips that you would say is a practical step for sustainability? Think about... What you're, where you're spending the money and who you're spending it with. I'd say obviously pick a sustainable venue, but then maybe pick a venue that's got a greater good than just being a venue. We're in an arts organisation here, so I'm sure part of the money from events goes to support the arts. There's lots of other types of venues that have got a, a, a social um, reason for being. Um, ask you know, what's happening to the food. Don't over-order your food and ask where the leftovers are going to go if there are any, are any leftovers. Um, you, use your purchasing power. To, to do some good. Yeah, and then I would also say we need to campaign. On, well, we need, we, need three, we need to campaign on a, a policy level. We need to work within our industry to make things more sustainable. We need to try and affect behavioural change with individuals. But not in a preachy, waggy finger way, in a gamification way. <laughs> yeah, I guess um, for me it's just uh, knowing where to start. And I, first of all, get started, kind of start the conversations about it. But... Um, and more broadly, it will apply to all events, and it's easier with some than others. But um, at the end of your event, look at how much waste you've got and, and, and where that waste is. That, that's a really good place to start. Um, and I guess understand what's important. So one of the things I mentioned, which is kind of big on a, on a global sustainability scale, is something called the Sustainable Development Goals, um, which are basically 17 goals that the UN have come up with um, to kind of battle um, you know, environmental issues, social issues, um, and, and kind of poverty and that sort of thing. Um, and not all of them will apply to you, um, but some of them will be really, really relevant to your business. And, and you know in an instant, 
which one's most relevant. So for us, it's about gender equality in our industry, um, which is a huge issue. There's a massive glass ceiling. Um, it's about economic development, and it's about um, climate action. So those are three of the goals. And use that as a starting point, and then start talking to your suppliers, other events industries. So we got the, we're preaching to the choir here because the diehards are here still. But talk to people and get, I, I've already got loads of inspiration from Rick and, uh, and from Michelle. Um, and then go and do it, I, I guess, is the, the ultimate thing. Yeah, um, I've said it all before, sorry. I'm going to reiterate it because I think you need to hear it again. Um, if you're talking to anybody that you're engaging with at this point of engagement, beginning of the briefing, think about just three things you can do. Recycle something, reuse something, and reduce something. I would suggest if you're talking to a client, tell them that you're going to, even if it doesn't change in the first thing, just measure it. Just measure if you can. I'll ask your suppliers to measure it. And the caterers and venues are very good at measurement, whether it's the amount of food waste, the amount of electricity used, the amount of journeys, the amount of straws, the amount of plastic cups, the uh, amount of throwaway waste after an exhibition. Just, just measure one thing, take that to the client next time, or just within your internal thing, and just, just have it, the data in front of you to recognize just how... Because with that data, you'll probably realize that the solution is also staring in the face is how do I get that data number down or up, depending on what the positive impact is. So one thing you can recycle, one thing you can reduce, uh, and, and one thing you can reuse. And if you just do that, and in conjunction with the venue and a supplier and, and, and a client, you'll spread the load, it'll be easily done, the data will demonstrate the facts of the situation, which are indisputable, and then a solution or an improvement, which is what sustainability is about, it's just purely about improvement. It's no end goal, right? It's just about improvement in steps, like learning, for say. Um, if you do that data and you do that process, uh, you'll look good in front of your boss, you'll look good in front of the client, and it should present itself with a solution. If you're not even doing that, then start is the, uh, the, probably the base level. But it's amazing, as I said before, this high that you get when the client gets it, when your individual team members get it, and they start doing things on their own basis, it is a high, it is a buzz, because you effectively are making positive change without really putting a lot of extra effort into it. And that extra effort is well worth it beyond all the other distractions in this world that perhaps don't have a positive impact. So. Okay, fabulous. Um, can I get a round of applause for our wonderful panellists, Steve, Michelle, and Dick. For more great events content and to learn from some of the most innovative minds in business and events, you can now register for a ticket to Event Lab 2019, taking place in October at the Business Design Centre. Finally, if you're an event organiser, then you might be eligible for one of our Superstar Event Organiser Awards at the Higher Space Awards in October. Whether you think your team could be our events team of the year, or there's a person that you think deserves special recognition with our Unsung Hero Award, follow the link to register in our show notes below. If you enjoy the show, make sure to rate us on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. You can follow all that we do on Twitter and Instagram using the handle at eventlab underscore online. If you have any questions or you'd like to submit a, if you have any questions you'd like to submit to the News Digest or you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can email us at eventlab at hirespace.com. Thanks very much for listening.